everybody come on hey before we jump in the word here I just want to open us in prayers if you just join me right now thank you Lord thank you Lord father right now in this place Lord in the the space that we have provided before you Lord that you want to encounter people's hearts Lord you want to open eyes Lord, you want to bring a shift to perspective And so that's what I'm praying for, Father, that a spirit of revelation would come and would rest upon each one, Lord, that they could see more clearly who you are, what you're doing, and Lord, that you would grant wisdom for us to be able to demonstrate that revelation and bring transformation to the world around us. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for this opportunity. Bless and we set it apart in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on. It was uh, the beginning of June. We had a dear friend named Randall Worley come and uh, speak that morning. Came up to Minnesota uh, to, to share and to, um, to do life with us, but it's, as well as to uh, bring impact from a message. And the message is on mercy. And I remember it because um, the, the nature of the word... Um, was a healing balm for many. There were lots of wonderful testimonies actually from that time. It's a great word. But the thing that stood out to me the most, and the reason I'm bringing it up uh, to you right now, is because at the close of the second service, as he was getting off the stage, as he prayed to close the service, um, he stopped and began to share this picture that he was seeing. And uh, it was of Ezekiel's vision. If you have ever read um, the book of Ezekiel, there's this passage that begins to talk about the river of life coming from the throne, and that wherever the river goes, as it goes, it gets deeper and deeper, and life is flowing from the throne to where life is restored to the land, and people are touched and transformed, and the river becomes so deep and so powerful that it's not able to be forged. It can't be controlled by man that there is a life that's flowing from the throne that impacts. And Randall was praying this over us as a church, and he just said, I see this taking place here. I see this artesian well, the spring, opening up for you. And, and as he said this, he said, the river is going to flow to the, the low places around us, the, 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 uh, um, those who are needing um, a touch from the Lord and the, the low places, the depressed places, the broken places, that life would flow to those. And it would be from what God was doing here. And it, so it was a wonderful promise. But as he was saying this thing out, I saw this, a, a very a distinct picture. There was this shifting moment where I saw the hand of the Lord reach down and like a manhole cover, pop open this well right there in the center this large, this artesian well, this spring. And I remember looking at it, and it was so vivid. It was, uh, you couldn't see to the bottom of it. There was a depth there that you could not recognize how deep it was. And, 
And the encounters that were coming from it, the depth of encounter that the Lord wanted to bring to people, bring to us as a house. And it was such a profound moment, it, a shift. In the, in, as he, Randall was sharing, all of a sudden there's this shift was upon us. I remember um, so many stories of transformation of people encountering the Lord. I, I, you guys share them with me. You, you, uh, I, I had a testimony the first service that family wasn't able to stick around, but it happened this weekend um, where the Holy Spirit came upon this young family. They were walking through the back door and across the sanctuary and just going to their seats, and they came in broken, had... Uh, had some significant painful experiences in churches in the past and really just didn't know if they could be in church anymore. And uh, uh, for whatever reason, they ended up here. And as they're literally walking across the back, the presence of the Lord came upon them and they both began to weep and their hearts filled with hope as the Lord's presence began to encounter them. I've heard that story so many times. People, for whatever reason, they get drawn, not to brick and mortar, because the presence of the Lord doesn't dwell within brick and mortar. It dwells with people. But that the Lord has an assignment on this house and on this people to be stewards and carriers of his presence, there's a revival that's at hand, a, a real one, where God is doing a work among us that is to bring transformation to our generation. Right now, in this time in history, it's kind of hard to see, but I'm telling you, just beyond the veil, there is significant transformation that's taking place. God is not slow in response. God is very proactive and has solution, always. The enemy is never ahead of the Lord. We tend to lag behind, but the Lord is always ahead always knows, always has solution, always is proactive. The promise of the Lord over this generation is not that, that there is a decrease taking place. And I want to say this to you, especially to the older generation in this room. I know that the times, there are changing. And when things change, there is a sense of fear because you're not in control and you don't have the time or the resource to be able to exercise a form of control. And so it feels scary. But can I tell you that the young people, the ones that you are looking at and you're wondering if they got the stuff to, man, I don't know, are they going to be able to rise to the occasion? Are they going to, is there something there? Is there, can you trust that God has it handled and that he actually is the God of, you know, the coming generations as well as yours? Because if you believe that the Lord knows your kids and that he's walking with them, I'm telling you, the young generation, they were made for such a time as this. They're marked for encounter. And so while right now it might look dark to some, but it's only your perspective. Our perspective tends to be dimly lit. It's not what's true. It's just that that's the way you see it. God very much knows how to encounter people's hearts. It's who you are as a people. God knows how 
to get a hold of you, to touch you, to bring revelation, to encounter your heart. And so what I want to talk about today, because I see the Lord doing a work right now in our generation, in this moment of time, that, that requires our faith. It requires standing in the face of things that you cannot control and trusting and knowing that the Lord knows what to do. I talked last week about fear. I said to you very clearly, as strongly as I could, fear will not allow you to produce the kingdom result. Any decision that you make in fear, you are no longer in the kingdom. If you make a decision from the perspective of fear, if that's what the core motivation is, I'm responding because I need to control. I'm afraid of results. I'm afraid of what they're doing. I'm afraid of those people. If you make a decision out of fear, you will not produce a kingdom result. You're in no man's land. That fear must come off. A perspective shift has to take place if you're going to prove God's will. Your mind has to be renewed. You got to stop thinking according to the pattern of this world. Because if I think from the pattern of this world right now, it's kind of easy to get discouraged. Man, what in the world are you going to do? How are we going to get out of this one? What are we supposed to do? Blah, blah, blah. And there's so many reasons why you might find yourself not having boldness in this moment. But I'm telling you that if your perspective can change, if you can come up here, if, if you can shift your perspective from things below to things above, that perspective shift will change everything. There's a story in the scriptures about the prophet named Elisha. There's Elijah, there's Elisha, right? One of them's hairy, one of them's bald. <laughs> Elijah, the prophet, had a servant. His name was Elisha. Elisha served Elijah in his ministry. And when Elijah went home to be with the Lord and was transitioned out of his assignment, that mantle and that responsibility fell to Elisha. It was up to Elisha now to see from heaven's perspective and to give voice to what God was saying to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel were thinking as men think. The people had perspectives based on what they saw or what the other nations of the world were doing. It was all an earthly perspective. Elisha's job was to speak to the people and help them get their eyes off a of circumstance and get it focused on God's perspective, to live life from God's perspective. There's a story, it's in 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to read it for you this morning. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 8. 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 8. It says this. The king of Aram was warring against Israel. Another nation was picking a fight. There were enemies of God's people. Can you imagine that? God's people having enemies? It's hard to imagine, right? The king of Aram was warring against Israel. He counseled with his servants saying, in such and such a place, that's going to be where my camp is. The man of God, Elisha, 
sent word to the king of Israel saying, Beware, do not pass by this place, for the Armenians are coming down there. And so the king of Israel sent to that place about which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. This situation is, uh, it's a peculiar, it's an amazing story. You have Elisha who is meeting with God. He lives in a totally different city. And God speaks to him and shows him the scheme of the enemy. He sees it. He sees what the enemy's trying to do. The king of Israel, his job is to war with the enemies of Israel. His job is to protect the people. His job is to, to govern People of Israel just live in their lives. The king of Aram comes and is warring against Israel. They have an enemy. This foreign kingdom, this enemy, is attacking Israel. Elisha lives in a different city than where the king is staying, and he hears in his quiet time. He's meeting with the Lord, and the Lord shows him the scheme of the enemy that he's going to go to such and such a city, and that's where he's going to attack from. He passes this information on to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel then knows to guard himself in that way, in that place, so that he won't suffer under the scheme of the enemy. It's pretty amazing. Israel and the king of Iran are warring against each other. And God sends word so that the king of Israel can avoid the trap. Not to know where to war against the enemy but to avoid. Can I tell you, there are some battles you're not actually supposed to fight. That not every battle is a hill worth dying on. That persecution comes because you draw a line in the sand. You go this far, no farther. That when you do that, you set up the place of judgment because when you draw the line in the sand and you say this far, no farther, this is where I take my stand. This is my hill to die on. Then when the war comes to you, you should not be, you know, freaked out that the war came to you. Why? Because you drew the line in the sand. Because that's what happens when you draw lines in the sand. Are you alive this morning? Persecution comes because the church draws a line in the sand and it becomes an immovable object. We become, we take a stand. We go, this is right, that is wrong. And so when you take a stand on an issue, be prepared to die on the issue. Otherwise, don't take a stand on the issue. If that's not the issue you're supposed to die on, don't take a stand on it. you got to hear me out this morning. Because the Lord is trying to reveal the scheme of the enemy so that the church can step around it 
and that we can be about the business that we're supposed to be about. The Lord reveals the scheme of the enemy, not always so that you can get ahead of him and take the battle to the enemy. There's wisdom in this. You should know. You know if this is your hill or if it's not. You know, Jesus didn't die on every hill. He died on the hill. He knew which hill that he was supposed to die on. He chose Golgotha. He chose Jerusalem. Religious persecution tried to put him on many hills. They tried throwing him off the side of mountains several times. They tried to stone him. They tried to do all sorts of things to him. And each time he evaded their grasp. Why? Because he had chose the hill that he was going to die on. The king of Aram has a scheme against Israel, the prophet goes, hey, this is where he's going to attack. So, he moved around him. Look at this. The king of Israel sent to that place more than once or twice he avoided. The heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. He called his servant and he said, which one of you basically is on the king of Israel's side? One of the servants said, no, my lord, it's Elisha, the prophet. He's in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Verse 13. He said, go and see where he is that I can send and take him. And he was told, saying, he's in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night to surround the city. And when the attendant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, rose up early and went out. Behold, the army of the horses and chariots were encircling the city, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what should we do? And Elisha said, Tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to be in fear. Why? Because if you're in fear, you're not going to be able to prove what God's will is. You can't get there. Not in fear. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then... Elisha prayed and said, Oh Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes that he could see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of the horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen, you need a higher perspective if you find yourself in fear. The higher perspective will unlock the solution. You can't get to the solution until you get a higher perspective. But Pastor Jamie, they're trying to force my hand and I have no control. Awesome. Get a higher perspective and then the Lord will give you the solution. You can't get the solution from your current perspective. You think your eyes are fixed on what the enemy is doing. Your eyes are fixed on what the world is doing. Your eyes are fixed on politics or on immunizations or on a disease. Your eyes are fixed on the fact that you don't have enough money to pay the bills this month. Your eyes are fixed on the problem. Solutions don't come from looking at the problem. They don't come from looking at the problem. You gotta have a different perspective. Your, your eyes need to be open. You gotta see differently if you're gonna come up with a new answer. So the prophet prays for his servant and says, Lord, open his eyes. And as soon as he does, as soon as he sees what God is doing, 
He no longer is focused on things below. He's focused on things above. As soon as his eyes shift perspective, fear is gone, and now there's authority to deal with it in intercession. There's some noise during that last part there. I need to say it again. If you're in fear, it will undermine your authority in your prayer life. You won't be praying from a heavenly perspective. The heavenly perspective is necessary if you are going to release prayers and prophecies that move the angelic realm to war on your behalf. It has to come through faith. It can't come from that place of fear. It has to come through faith. You see and you know what God wants to do, his will, and when it comes out of your mouth, the angels of heaven descend on you, which is the Bethel. You are the house of God. You are his temple. You're the ladder that extends into heaven. When you pray and you prophesy according to faith, the angels of heaven descend and go and take care of God's will on the earth. But when you're in a place of fear, you're not accessing that. When you're in a place of fear, when you're praying from a place of fear, it's not that God doesn't hear you, you're just not moving heaven. Man, if there was ever a time for the intercessors to rise up. Where are my prayer warriors at, y'all? We got, we got so enamored with getting revelation that we stopped praying it through to the solutions. I see the blue angel and the blah, 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 and I see the... And we got impressed with ourselves getting revelations. But the point of intercession is that you hold the line until the result comes. That you, you recognize what God's will is and then you stand in a place of immovable faith and you release the reality of heaven until you see it come. Your prayer life, your inner world is standing in a place of faith to see earth shaped by heaven. I don't think it would take too many faith-filled intercessors to actually shift this whole thing. Just don't. Heaven's solution is, I mean, Daniel, nation of Israel is in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They have no power. They have nothing. They have no ability to change their circumstance. And Daniel holds the line because he sees a prophetic promise. And he grabs hold of it and he refuses to change the point until the Lord sends an angel when that angel comes and delivers the message, he goes, hey, Daniel, it's absolutely coming. Thanks for praying. You're just a little early. It's coming. And the release of Israel out of captivity back to their land happens just like that. Took an intercessor standing in the gap, prayed it through. I don't know what your family's facing. I don't know what your work situation is. I don't know what's going on in the world around you. But I can tell you that if you'll get heaven's perspective then you'll be able to stand in faith and pray in faith and it will shift everything. Elisha goes, open his eyes. The servant's eyes are open and then Elisha prays. The army came down to Elisha and so he prayed, Lord, strike the people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said, this is not the way, nor is this the city. To these soldiers, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me. I'll bring you to the man you seek. 
It's like a total Jedi mind trick here. <laughs> These are not the men you were looking for. <laughs> how did that happen? How did this happen? How does, how does, how does your situation totally change? You get heaven's perspective, which means you have to let go of your fearful perspective. I don't know what got you there, but you got to let it go. Okay, you let that go. You seek the face of God. When you see him, everything will change. When you see what God's doing, everything will change. From that perspective, you are able to pray. Elisha, knowing that he was surrounded by the, char the chariots and the angels of fire, could pray, Lord, strike them with blindness. He's got no fear in the face of this. Boom, it happens. He saw the spiritual reality first, and then he released it with his prayer. Solution comes. Strikes them with blindness. He brought them to Samaria, which is where the king of Israel was. When they came into Samaria, Elisha said, Oh, Lord, open their eyes again that they can see. And so the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. The king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, My father, should I kill him? Should we kill them? And he said, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captive by your sword or with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they can eat and drink and go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And when they went to their master, the marauding bands did not come again to Israel. Do we want to deal with this problem generation to generation, or would we like the Lord to release a solution that just goes ahead and ends it? Then it's going to require mercy. It's going to require you being kind to people you think are your enemy. It's going to require you getting heaven's perspective and as soon as you see heaven's perspective, your prayers will become effective. And in the midst of that, you'll demonstrate kindness to the enemy. And through his mercy, he will deal and end the work of the scheme against you. Supernatural solutions are coming, friends. Truly are. But you can't be in fear. You can't react. Certainly don't want to die on a different hill. Listen, the only one worth dying on is the denial of Christ. You got to pick your battle, but consequences come from battles, so choose them wisely. As for me and my household, what Jesus said is if you deny him before men, then he will deny you before his Father in heaven. That one's worth dying over. Pick your battles wisely. Amen. Mark 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. This is about Jesus. Jesus is kinder and gentler. Yeah, I love this one. love this story. They came to Bethsaida, and they brought out a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Verse 23, taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and then he spit in his face. That's weird. <laughs> so this is a true story. I, we were, 
we have some bold friends, okay? People that are just going for Jesus and they are willing to step out in faith. I have a friend who thought he heard that the Holy Spirit told him that if he rubbed hot sauce in a dude's eyes, that his eyes would get healed. Okay? I'm not sure I should even tell you the end of this story. Not sure I want to encourage it. <laughs> Listen, this guy, the guy sitting across the table from him did not know the Lord. And my friend said, listen, Jesus is going to heal your eyes today, but I need to rub hot sauce on your eyeballs. <laughs> true story. It's a true story. This guy poured out hot sauce on his thumbs and rubbed it in the dude's eyeballs. And the Lord healed him. Little holy boldness there, a little holy boldness. I don't know what possessed Jesus to spit in the dude's face, but you have a blind guy and all he hears is <laughs> He spit in his eyes, he laid hands on him, and then look what it says. Spitting on his eyes, he lays hands on him, and then he asked him, do you see anything? And the man looked up and he said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. He again laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and he was restored and behold and began to see everything clearly. Look up here for a second. Can I ask you a serious question? This is serious. I know that I'm joking around with you this morning, but this is serious. Does Jesus make mistakes? Come on. Do you remember the story about the guy that Jesus only half healed? Remember that one? Remember that one when Jesus messed up and he only got it halfway done so he had to pray again? Remember how we encouraged ourselves that we got to pray multiple times because we're going ahead and using this story as if Jesus messed up? Does Jesus mess up? No. No, no. No, no. So what's going on here? What's happening? What's this, what is Jesus doing why does Jesus lay hands on this dude, spit in his face, and then when he opens his eyes, he sees men walking around like trees? Why is it that Jesus prays again, and now all of a sudden there is a clarity that comes, and the man can see perfectly, and then Jesus says to him, he sent him home, and he said, don't enter the village. What's going on here? Can I, can I suppose something this morning? Can I propose something to you? That you and I get affected. We come under the influence of atmospheres. That when you come under the influence of an atmosphere, a spiritual atmosphere, that there are influences in society, there are influences on the airwaves, that one person's opinion actually can sway the way that other people think. The scripture talks about principalities, the powers of the air, demonic influences, a principality, the word literally means the origin of a lie. It was the original work of evil. And for whatever reason, it took root amongst a people. And its influence wasn't just on one person. It began to influence a whole people group. Where a whole people group, a region maybe, came under the influence of a way of thinking as if it's okay when it was actually evil. Can you think of any times maybe in American history where we've had groups of people that are thinking they're right, but actually what they were perpetrating was a form of evil? 
Can you think of times in history where people have come under the influence of something and they assumed and they thought that they were right and correct in doing so and it ended up being not so good? Man, time and time again through history, we have had leaders rise up and speak and influence come and delusion come over people and evil is perpetrated. Spiritual atmospheres are real. I remember the first time that I, my, uh, Nicole and I were, uh, were flying to California for some reason and and we were really seeking the Lord about some stuff. And I remember I was on the airplane and I was praying and I was asking the Lord for clarity about some stuff. And, and uh, we were just stepping away. And as we were stepping away, we got in the air and I don't remember how far we were from Minnesota when all of a sudden this clarity came over my mind. Like, wait a second. All of a sudden I'm seeing things differently. I could think differently. It was like I had come out from under something. You go to different places and there are prevailing atmospheres in places. Spiritual influences. This stuff is real, y'all. Ideals that are prevalent, that influence society, that come, people fall under it. They come under it. And when you come under it, your decisions begin to be influenced by this. This is how spiritual stuff works. Look at what Jesus did. Look at this. He went to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him. They implored Jesus to touch him. So what does he do? He took the blind man by the hand and he brought him out of the village. Now, I don't know what was going on in Bethsaida, but for some reason, Jesus wasn't going to heal him while he was under that influence. I don't know what's going on in Bethsaida. I don't know why Jesus has to get him out from under, but he does. He brings him by the hand. He gets him out from under. And then what's he do? He spits in his eyes. I think Jesus was healing his spiritual sight. I think Jesus is touching his perspective. I think Jesus is doing a work that's not just the tangible allowing him to see. He's restoring something. He's healing something. Sometimes you come under an influence and it causes your perspective to be focused on something. And you need to come out from under it in order to see. Jesus heals him, sets his spiritual sight, and then heals his physical eyes. And what's his instruction to him? Don't you dare go back under that influence again. Don't you do it. You're healed and you're restored. Don't go back into fear's camp. When the Lord liberates you, you don't go back to the thing that's been influencing you into fear. When you get your eyes fixed on things above and the Lord gives you a fresh perspective, that's not the time to leave church and head right back into social media where you get to be deluded by fear again. That's not the time to go right back to your whatever network news agency and go ahead and submit yourself to another prevailing wind of spirit to allow your heart to be corrupted with fear again. It's not the time to do that. Whatever is pure, whatever is peaceable, whatever is good, set your heart and mind on these things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. If you want to come out from under the scheme of the devil, then you got to stop looking at what the enemy is doing. Start looking to see what God is doing. Get your eyes off of the problem. 
Fixating on the fact that there is an enemy scheme. Fixating on it is not going to produce the solution. The Lord wants to give you a higher perspective so you can come out from under it. You can be free. Listen, if the Lord heals you today, you need to not return back to that stuff. If your eyes get open, if you get set free from something, you don't go back into it. If you're visiting the house church and you've been here a little bit and you're like, wow, it's so refreshing and God's doing so much stuff and I just love it and I'm feeling like blah, blah, blah. Don't come to me and go, now I think it's time to return back under this thing that I've lived under for 20 years and submit back to a way of thinking that prevents you from walking in the liberty that Jesus has given you. It's not, no, no. Be free. Be free. I think the Lord wants to open our spiritual eyes. I really do. I think the Lord wants to give you a perspective that's going to change everything. I think he wants to release solution into your eyes, but your heart. He wants to unlock you from this. Chains falling away. Perspective that's kept you in bondage. Fear isn't going to get you there, friend. The Lord wants to do a work in your life so that you are a chain breaker, that you are able to usher heaven into situations. You, you, you are though, you're, you're somebody with their eyes fixated on heaven, and so when you pray, heaven gets released. That, that your heart's held in peace, that you're not responding and reacting to the things below I kind of wonder if the Lord doesn't continue to say to us as a people, don't get caught up in the schemes of the enemy. This isn't one to... You need to choose your paths. Okay? With wisdom and power, I want you to do it with full conviction. you got to do you. With wisdom and power, you got to make powerful decisions. If the Lord liberates your heart and gives you heaven's perspective, you should act on that. If you find yourself under fear and making a decision out of a reactive state in order to prevent evil, in order to protect yourself, in order to head it off, in order to fight, if you find yourself in that state, that's the wrong one. Let's get free first and then make powerful decisions. Okay. To put a hand on your own heart today. I think that the Lord is doing something so powerful in America right now. Oh man. I know that there has been evil, but I think the Lord is doing a powerful work. I think he's awakening a generation. I think that we are on the cusp of some major things. I know that it's hard to see from the outside. That's why you got to lift up your eyes. You got to get your eyes off of the temporary stuff. You got to look at the long game. You got to see that God is doing something, that He's at work, that He knows, He knows, He knows He's ahead of the enemy. There's not anything that's catching Him by surprise. That the Lord knows how to walk our nation through this. What I need from you and what I'm asking from you is the intercessors to rise up. To get your eyes on things above and to hold to the heavenly pattern. To hold to what God's saying. To see his perspective. And then in intercession, hold the line. 
to not allow your heart to be swayed by what your natural eyes see, but to hold the line, to hold what are the prophets saying? What did God say about this generation? What's he setting us up for? A billion soul harvest. He's setting a billion soul youth harvest. A generation being captivated by the living God. Lord, we lift up our eyes. We lift up our eyes to you. We set our eyes on things above today. Father, I'm asking right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would open the eyes of every heart in here today. Holy Spirit of God, that you would enable us to see what you're doing. God, that you would help us to see beyond the veil, to see beyond the temporary, to see beyond the scheme of the enemy, to see beyond what the enemy is doing to see the heavenly allies, to see that we who are with God have more on our side than who's come against us. Lord, in the midst of the solutions being granted that you're giving eyes to see to the believer, to the kingdom-minded individuals, Lord, so that they can step into it. Lord, I thank you that their prayers are effective, that you've given them authority. Lord, I thank you that in that place of authority, in the place of the divine solution, in the place of, of your kingdom manifesting, that we choose mercy, we choose kindness, we choose to love our enemies as ourselves. We choose, oh Lord, to not allow the enemy to divide us. God, I thank you for that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do that supernatural work today. God, do what only you can do. Do it only you can do. Holy Spirit of God, would you open the eyes of our hearts? Help us to see what you see. Reveal Jesus in the midst of us today. Give us eyes to see what you're doing, Jesus. Eyes to see your manifested kingdom. That's not failing, it's not shrinking back, that your government is increasing even. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, come right now. Bring a mighty deliverance, Lord, from fear. A mighty deliverance from the things that have hindered us. Father, I thank you for that. Speak this in Jesus' name. Father, release your angels to minister on behalf, Lord, of these people. To do what only you can do. God, I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise in your mighty name, Lord. Bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord be the one who keeps you. May the Lord's favor rest on your life. May he be gracious to you. May he guard your hearts and your minds in peace that you, that you will walk and you'll fulfill and prove his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Your minds will be transformed. You would see what he's doing and you would be able to release the solution in each situation. God, I thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?